وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ And they ask you about the soul. Meaning, O Prophet ﷺ, they ask you about the ruh. What is ruh? That's the exact question that some people ask the Prophet ﷺ. مَا الرُّوحِ What is ruh? Once the Prophet ﷺ was in Medina, at one of the farms of Medina, and he was walking and he was leaning on a date palm leaf stalk, and some Yahud, some Jews passed by. And when they saw the Prophet ﷺ, they said to each other, you know, ask him, ask him, ask him a question. They always like to do that. Test him, you know, ask him some difficult question through which his falsehood will be revealed and it will be obvious that he's not a true prophet. But each time they asked a question, the Prophet ﷺ gave them an answer. Hmm? So some of them said, ask him a question, like a really difficult, complicated question. So they said, you know what? Let's ask him, what is the soul? What is this ruh? Some others amongst them said, don't ask him. Because if you ask him, he'll give you an answer and you won't be happy with it. But they went ahead and they asked the Prophet ﷺ, مَن روح? What is this ruh? So the Prophet ﷺ, he recited this ayah. This ayah was revealed to him at that time. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الروح. They ask you about the soul. قُلِ الرُّوحُ Say that the ruh is min amri rabbi from the command of my Lord. Meaning, it comes, it enters a body at the command of Allah. And it leaves the body at the command of Allah. And the ruh is of those matters that Allah knows about. Because we cannot see the ruh. We know it's there or when it's not there, but we can't see it. Ruh is basically what? The presence of which makes a body alive. Correct? Like for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam. And He said, وَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِ when I blow into him of my ruh, meaning when he comes alive, then the angels were told, فَقَعُولَهُ سَاجِدِينَ Then fall into prostration to him. So ruh is basically the essence or the soul that Allah has created, which when it is in a body, that body is alive. And when it's taken out from the body, that body is dead. It's the source of life. Do we see it coming? Do we see it leaving? We learn from hadith that when the fetus is basically being developed in the womb of the mother, at a particular stage, what happens? An angel is told to bring the ruh to the body. Right? So, when does it enter the body? Does the mother see it? Does she feel it? No way. And a person could be lying in front of you and you don't even know they're dead. The soul has departed. It has left. It comes at Allah's command. It leaves at Allah's command. Can we catch a ruh and study it? Can we? No, because it's from the matters of my Lord. It's from the unseen. وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا And you have not been given of knowledge except very little. So just accept it. That you do not know everything and you cannot know everything because you are people and you are limited and you are weak and Allah knows about everything. وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You know this hadith that I mentioned to you right now about this incident where the Yahud asked the Prophet ﷺ this question. Imam Bukhari records this hadith under the chapter heading مَا يُكْرَهُ مِنْ كَثْرَةِ السُّؤَالِ وَتَكَلُّفِ مَا لَا يَعْنِيهِ What is disliked of asking too many questions. Meaning asking too many questions is disliked. And تَكَلُّفِ مَا لَا يَعْنِيهِ And you know, probing into matters that don't concern a person. You see there are some things that we can learn about. How? Through observation. 
through experience. And what are those things? Which are physical. Right? Which have some physical material because of which we can see them, we can hear them, we can touch them, we can feel them. We can use our machines and hook our machines onto them and study them, right? In different ways. However, there are some other matters which are beyond our reach. Immaterial things. And in order to know about them, we are dependent on what? The information that we are given. By who? By a reliable source. And what is the most reliable source? Wahi. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about some matter of the ghayb, that's the only source of knowledge that we can have. We cannot know more than that. We cannot explore the matter of or the issue of ruh. Or can we? What about angels? Can we study angels by observation? No, we cannot. We can only know about angels as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us of. Likewise, we can only know about ruh as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us of. Now, curiosity and wonder, they're very good. Very good. But only in matters of the answers that you can find. Meaning, not with every matter, but those matters whose answers you can find. In that sense, curiosity is good. Wonder is good. You know, for example, an apple is falling. Wonder. Be curious about it. Why is it falling? Think about it. You can eventually get to an answer. And we see that people have reached an answer. But there are some other matters, like for example, the matters of the unseen, the coming of an angel, going of an angel, coming of the ruh, leaving of the ruh. Can we observe these things? Can we study them? No. So accept that this is from the matters of your Lord, and you do not have all knowledge. So accept what your Lord is giving you, and where you reach the extent of your knowledge and understanding, stop there. وَلَا إِن شِئْنَا And surely if we willed, لَنَذْهَبَنَّ Surely we could have taken away بِالَّذِي That which أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ We have revealed to you. What is it that has been revealed to the Prophet ﷺ? What is it? What is it called? Qur'an. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying here? If we want, لَنَذْهَبَنَّ We can definitely, surely, take it away. Take it away so that no person remembers it. It's written nowhere. People, if Allah wants, He can take the Qur'an away from us. This Qur'an, this source of knowledge, Allah's speech, this revelation, what is it? It's a shifa, a rahmah, right? A source of guidance, a cure, a healing, a blessing. Don't take it for granted. Previously, what did we learn? What is man's attitude in general? He receives blessings, takes them for granted, forgets Allah. Don't take the Qur'an for granted. Allah has given it to you, and if He wants, He can also take it away from you. And does this happen? It happens with individuals that they learn the Qur'an, but then they are as if they never knew the Qur'an. That blessing of Qur'an, the impact that the Qur'an had on their lives, the change that it brought to their lives, it's all reversed. It's taken away. And this is something that we should all be afraid of. We think that once we know the Qur'an, once we've studied the Qur'an, you know, we're set on Salat al-Mustaqeem. Cruise control. You know, we're firm on it. No going off track. Everything's good. No. This is a blessing, a favor 
of Allah and if He wants, He can take it away as well. لَنَذْهَبَنَّ بِالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ And if Allah takes the gift of Qur'an away from us, ثُمَّ لَا تَجِدُ لَكَ بِهِ عَلَيْنَا وَكِيلًا Then you would not find for yourself concerning it an advocate against us. You will not find any wakil against us. Any lawyer. You cannot hire anyone to sue us, to question us, to object at our decision. You can't fight us. You will be helpless. You will be helpless. If you think about it, we have received many things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, many blessings from Allah. Everything that we have received from Allah, what is it? It's makhluk, it's creation. But the Qur'an that Allah has given us is not His creation. You know what it is? It's His speech. It's His word. And this is why the Qur'an has such a status that no other gift that Allah has given us has. Why? Because it is His speech. It is from Him. It is His attribute. It came from Him. And He sent it to us. And if we take this Qur'an for granted, and don't give it the haq that it deserves, and don't give it the importance that it deserves, and don't benefit from it the way we should benefit, if we don't hold on to it, if we don't value it, then Allah does not need to reduce the value of His speech by giving it to those who don't value it. No, He will take it away from them. And this is a severe warning. Imagine the Qur'an being with the person and then being taken away from him. So that he cannot recall an ayah. And you know, this is the reason why it is said that if you forget the Qur'an, don't say, I forgot it. Say, I was made to forget it. I was made to forget it. Meaning, I did something because of which I was made to forget the Qur'an. This honor was taken away from me. This blessing was snatched away from me. Because I did not prove myself worthy of keeping it. ثُمَّ لَا تَجِدُ لَكَ بِهِ عَلَيْنَا وَكِيلًا إِلَّا رَحْمَةً مِّن رَبِّكَ Except as a mercy from your Lord. Meaning if you have the Qur'an, the Qur'an is still with you, in your heart, on your lips, in your mind, in your life, if the Qur'an is still with you, then it is purely Allah's mercy upon you. إِنَّ فَضْلَهُ كَانَ عَلَيْكَ كَبِيرًا If you have the Qur'an in your life, it is exclusively Allah's mercy upon you. Because what have you done to really bring the Qur'an to yourself? If you think about it, can we ever demand from Allah? Give us this, give us that? No. Anything, if Allah has given it to us, it is purely His mercy. إِلَّا رَحْمَةً مِّن رَبِّكَ إِنَّ فَضْلَهُ كَانَ عَلَيْكَ كَبِيرًا Indeed, His fadl, His favors on you. And the first person being addressed over here is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That indeed Allah's favor upon you is kabira. It's ever been great. Meaning Allah has always shown many, many favors to you. Has bestowed many blessings upon you. And the best of all those favors is what? The Qur'an. Just look into your life. And you will see that yes, Allah has truly blessed you. With many things. Family. Friends, money, health, the opportunities that you've received, how you have developed and how you have you know, grown over time and the places that you've traveled and 
the different things that you've enjoyed, these are truly blessings. Education, knowledge, these are fadl. But the best of them is what? What is it? It's the Qur'an. Because everything else, it's a nourishment for the body. It's a nourishment for the mind, the heart, okay, to some extent. But the Qur'an is pure nourishment for the soul. It's food for the soul. And if your heart, if your soul is good, then the rest of you is good. I was just thinking, even if you have all the other blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed on you, but you don't have the blessing of the Qur'an, sometimes you feel so lost. But if you have the blessing of the Qur'an, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you that, and you don't have any of the other blessings, you will still feel like the richest person. Yeah. And I've told you this before as well, Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah, when he was imprisoned for life, and he spent about two years in prison, what did he have with him? Books to read? Pen and paper? So that he could write and write endlessly? Students so that he could teach them? No. All he had was Qur'an in his heart. And that is what he recited over 80 times. You see, remembering Allah in good times. Thanking Him when receiving a blessing. What happens in difficult times? You do not despair. If the Qur'an is in your heart, you're alive. You cannot be sad. Arij? When people are doing hifz and they can't really memorize a specific verse, a verse <laughs> they're told to um, recite astaghfar. Yeah. Because sometimes it's our sins because of which the Qur'an is not entering you know, our heart. That we're not able to recite the ayah. Even in Surah Baqarah, last ayahs, Allah has told us how to, how to ask and how to, you know, make a istighfar and how to, the ways to call Allah. Another dua, Rabbana la tuzikhkulubana. The minute you are feeling deviate, you make the dua. Yes. So these are the blessings of Quran too. Exactly. And over here in particular, the Prophet sallallahu has mentioned that indeed the favor of your Lord has ever been great on you. If you look at the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Allah did bestow many, many favors upon him. If you think about his childhood, how he was orphaned even before he was born. When he was so young, his mother passed away. Think about a child whose mother has passed away and who's never seen his father. What would become of him? Such children are generally abused, if not physically, at least emotionally, so that Many times, such children when they're growing up, I mean, they have many, many issues that they're struggling with. But look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sheltered him. Alam yatiman fa'awa. That how? First, with his grandfather. And when his grandfather passed away, then his uncle. And what shelter, what protection did his uncle give him? That the Quraysh, the mushrikeen, could not hurt the Prophet ﷺ as long as Abu Talib was alive. أَلَمْ يَجِدُكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى The Prophet ﷺ, he struggled financially in the early part of his life because he was an orphan. He didn't inherit much from his father. Right? And obviously in that society, you know what importance orphans were given. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enriched the Prophet ﷺ also. How? He was so honest. He was such a good businessman. Khadija anha wanted him to take his business trips. And then what happened? She is the one who proposed to him. Not he proposed her, she proposed him. Right? 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him wealth as well. Surah Al-Duha, what do we learn? وَالْضُحَى وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا سَجَى مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى وَلَلْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ لَكَ مِنَ الْأُولَى وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى أَلَمْ يَجِدِكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًا فَهَدَى The Prophet ﷺ would leave Makkah, go up in the mountain, stay there for days and days, alone. Why? Seeking guidance. Right? And what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him. وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى Found you poor and enriched you. And the main enrichment the Prophet ﷺ was given was what? Of the heart. So much so that he was never afraid to give something away. In fact, he would give so easily that if he had something in his house for a long period of time, then he would feel worried. In Bukhari, we learned that at one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ led the people in prayer. And right after the prayer, instantly he got up, went through the rows, you know, cutting through the rows, straight to his house. And after some time, he came back. And when he came back, the people were puzzled that what happened? Everything okay? And the Prophet ﷺ told them that he remembered that there was some gold in his house and he didn't want to leave it there. So he ordered that it be given away. So rich he was in his heart. Allah truly made him rich. Allah truly guided him. إِلَّا رَحْمَةً مِّن رَبِّكَ إِنَّ فَضْلَهُ كَانَ عَلَيْكَ كَبِيرًا And of all of these blessings, the greatest one, the blessing of Qur'an, of Hidayah. SubhanAllah, the Qur'an is such a big blessing that only through it were we taught how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how to thank Him, how to live our lives. Like It's only through the Qur'an that we were able to learn how to thank Him for the Qur'an. Exactly. I mean, one is life with the Qur'an and the other is life without the Qur'an. And there is a huge difference. قُلْ سَيْ لَئِنِ اجْتَمَعَتِ الْإِنسُ وَالْجِنُّ Surely if the people and the jinn, they got together, they gathered together, اجتمعت, to be, jammer is what? Plural, right? And what is plural? Three and above. Right? So, jammer, assembly, اجتمعت, to ijtima' is basically, you know, in Urdu, the word ijtima' is used for a conference. Okay? Because in a conference, what happens? There are so many people. It's a huge gathering. They've come together. So ijtama'atil insu wal jinn. If the ins and the jinn all got together, they all united together. For what purpose? Allah, for the purpose, on that, yet to they come, bimithli, with equivalent, something similar, to what had Al-Qur'an, this Qur'an. If they all got together to bring something, to produce something that is like the Qur'an, like the Qur'an, this is very important, bimithli had Al-Qur'an, meaning it matches the Qur'an. In what way? In its clarity, in its eloquence, in its arrangement, in the perfection of meaning, in its effect, content, benefit, something like the Qur'an. Would they be able to produce something like the Qur'an? لا. لا يأتون بمثلي. They cannot produce something like it. وَلَوْ كَانَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ ظَهِيرًا Even if some of them became to others ظهير. Who is ظهير? A helper, an assistant. ظهر is the back. You back someone up, meaning you assist them, you help them. So even if they assisted each other, they all got together, all of mankind, all of jinn, to produce something like the Qur'an, they wouldn't be able to. Why? 
Because the Qur'an is Allah's speech. It is His word. It's not creation. If it was creation, then okay, people could have made something that would match. Maybe, perhaps, come close to the level of Qur'an. However, it is Allah's speech. And this is why no one's speech can match the Qur'an, can be equal to it. What does this tell us about the Qur'an? Can anything else take the Qur'an's place? If a person were to leave the Qur'an and say, you know what, it's too difficult, finding it too hard, and it's too tough, and for some reason I'm just going in depression, and I don't want it, I want something else. If you try something else, will it ever fulfill you? Can it ever satisfy you? Can it ever guide you? Can it ever complete you? Never. Because there is nothing that is like the Qur'an. So nothing can take the place of Qur'an. Qur'an is healing. Qur'an is shifa. It is guidance. And nothing else can take the place of the Qur'an. Nothing else can take the place of the Qur'an. And you will experience this in your life as well. That the days you spend with the book of Allah, really they are the best days of your life. And once your time is occupied with something else, with some other books, then what happens? When you feel like, what is this? This is no life. This is too weird and too strange. So nothing can take the place of the Qur'an. وَلَقَدْ صَرَّفْنَا لِلنَّاسِ And certainly we have diversified for people. فِي هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ In this Qur'an, مِنْ كُلِّ مَثَلْ Every kind of example. Every kind of example that people are in need of, it's in the Qur'an. So that if they're not able to understand one example, perhaps they will understand through another. Every relevant, every necessary example, it's there in the Qur'an for the guidance of people. But what has been the reaction of people? فَأَبَا أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ إِلَّا كُفُورًا But most of the people refused anything. Aba, Remember the word Aba Came in the context of Iblis as well. Aba, he refused to do sajda. So the people, what have they done? Aba, most of the people have refused to show any reaction illa except the reaction of kufur, disbelief. The Qur'an is clear. It is clear. But majority of the people will only show disbelief. Why? Because kullun ya'malu ala shakilati. Each is working according to his manner. Each is seeking whatever he wants. And that is what he will find in the book of Allah. وَقَالُوا And they say, لَنُؤْمِنَ لَكَ We shall never believe in you. The Qur'an is clear. Proofs are there. Examples are there. Evidences are there. However, what do the people say? We will never believe in you. حَتَّى until تَفْجُرَ You break open. لَنَا for us مِنَ الْأَرْضِ From the ground. يَمْبُوعَ A spring. Really? What's the connection between a spring and the Qur'an? The mushrikeen basically demanded that if we see a spring, water gushing forth from the ground, we will believe in the Qur'an. Does that make sense to you? Is there a connection over here between the spring and the Qur'an? There's no obvious connection. What were they saying in other words? You show us something supernatural, and when we will have that wow feeling, then we'll say that yes, you're right. And that whatever you're saying is right. Show us something, you know, something extraordinary. We want to see something supernatural, something very unique and different. You see, Makkah 
was a desert. It was a barren valley. Alright? And which water was in Makkah? Zamzam. Okay? So the mushrikeen, they demanded from the Prophet ﷺ that if you show us a yambur from the earth, and you know, we'll also get our water that we really want, then yeah, we'll believe in you. Yambur is from the root letters, nun ba'ain. And nabr is a spring from which water is gushing forth. So yambur is basically such a spring that is not dry, but the water is actually coming forth. It's gushing out of it. So they said, when you will show it to us, we'll believe. But did they stop there? No. أَوْ تَكُونَ لَكَ جَنَّةٌ They said, or there should be for you a jannah. Jannah in its literal sense over here, a garden. You should have a garden, an orchard. مِنْ نَخِيلٍ Of date palm trees. وَعِنَبٍ And also grapes. Because these didn't grow in Makkah, right? So they wanted these to be in Makkah. They said, show us you know, that you have a garden in Makkah of date palms, of grapes. فَتُفَجِّرَ And you cause to gush forth. الْأَنْهَارِ Rivers. Cause rivers to gush forth. خِلَالَهَا In its midst. Meaning within the gardens. Running through their middle. Tafjira In force, in abundance. So... What was their demand? Another demand they made was that there should be a garden and in that garden there should be date palms and grapevines and there should be rivers and streams flowing through the middle of that garden. When we will see it, we will believe in you. And if you can't do that, then show us something else. And what could that be? Or you cause to fall. Seen qafta, sukut, to fall. You cause to fall as-sama'a, the sky. You know, the sky above us caused it to fall down on us. Kama za'amta, as you have claimed. Did the Prophet ﷺ claim that? He warned the people about the coming of the Day of Judgment. And that when the Day of Judgment will come, then yes, the sky will not remain the same, and the earth will not remain the same, and the sun and the moon and the stars and everything will be destroyed, everything will be devastated. So this is what the mushrikeen were implying. That in other words, bring the Day of Judgment already. Cause it to fall down on us. How? Kisafan, in fragments, in pieces. Plural of kisfa. Kisfa is what? A broken piece of something. So cause the sky to crack into pieces and then cause those pieces to fall down on us. Or you should bring Billahi, Allah, Wal Malaika and the angels, Qabila, right in front of us, face to face. Ask Allah to come and show Himself to us. Ask the angels to come and show themselves to us. Then we will believe in you. Really? Why wouldn't you believe then? If you were to face Allah, how can you not believe then? The word qabil is from qaf balam. What does qabil mean? Before. Right? So qabil, that which is before you, that which is in front of you, so that you're facing it. So ask Allah and the angels to come and face us, then we will believe in you. Do they stop there? No. They say, أَوْ يَكُونَ لَكَ بَيْتٌ Or you should have a bayt, a house. مِنْ زُخْرُفْ Of gold. You should have a house of gold. Zuhruf is what? Adornment. Anything with which something is adorned. But glittery, shiny. And primarily this word is used for gold. Because gold is used as adornment. So they said you should have a house of gold. Because if you're supposed to be a prophet of God, then how come you're not living in a house of gold? You should be rich. You should be very wealthy. Or you know what? Go up in the sky. Go up, 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 high in the sky. Tarqa. Raqaf. Yeah. Iqra. Wartaqi. 
In hadith, this is what we learn, right? That on the Day of Judgment, the reciter of the Qur'an will be told, اِقْرَأْ وَرْتَقِ Read and ascend, go high. So tarqa, you go high, you ascend. Fissama in the sky. And when we see you flying in the sky, going up to the sky, then perhaps we'll believe you. But you know what? No, no. وَلَنُؤْمِنَ We will never believe. لِرُقِيِّك To your ascension. Because the Prophet ﷺ did go on Mi'raj, right? He did go for the night journey and the ascension. They said, no, we'll never believe in that. Hatta until tunazila alayna, you bring down on us kitaban, a book, naqra'u, that we can read. Bring a book, something written, down from the sky, and we want to read it. Really? Makkans, you're going to read? Makkans, Arabs, who were they? An ummi nation. They did not know how to read and write. In the entire population of Makkah, there were maybe about 17 people who could read and write. But what are they demanding? Bring a book down from the sky and we want to read it ourselves. Then we will believe in you. Qul, the Prophet ﷺ is told, say to them, Subhan Rabbi, perfect is my Lord, glorified is my Lord. Hal kuntu illa bashar al-rasula? Am I anything but a human messenger? What are you saying? What are you demanding from me? I'm a human being and I'm a messenger. I'm not a magician to show you magical tricks. I'm not God. I'm not an angel. These powers are not with me. I am a servant. I have been sent to deliver a message, not to show you one thing after the other to impress you. If you want to see whether I'm truthful or not, then look at my message. هَلْ كُنْتُ إِلَّا بَشَرَ now the thing is that as you read these verses, it is astonishing that how is it that people can make such demands. The thing is that people, when they think about religion, they only consider it to be something that should be a source of you know, spiritual upliftment, something that should bring this iman high, you know, this high feeling of being very amazed and astonished and impressed. And this is the reason why people have such interesting stories about saints, about even false stories that they've invented about prophets of Allah. Why? Because when they're looking at religion, they want something supernatural, extraordinary, something amazing. But is this what the deen is about? Is the deen only for this purpose? That you hear a story and you just say, wow, and that's it? No. What is this deen for? For amal. You change yourself. You do something. You change your behavior. And for that, you don't need to see a miracle. You don't need to see a spring gushing forth in the middle of the desert. You don't need to see someone flying in the sky. You don't need to see the sky falling down on you. You don't need to see a house made of gold. You don't need to see a garden and in the middle of it, rivers flowing. No. For amal, you need to change yourself. And for that, the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed, that is sufficient. The mushrikeen demanded miracles from the Prophet And we see that previously, Musa salam was he given miracles? Of course. Did Fir'aun believe? Did he believe? No. What did he call the miracles? Magic. The people of Thamud, did they demand a miracle? Yes. Were they shown a miracle? Yes. Did they believe? No. Because iman does not come by seeing something strange. It comes how? 
by recognizing the haq by recognizing the truth and the quran is full of truth it is full of truth and this is what we need to obtain guidance to increase in our guidance but many times we see stories that are invented about the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about the companions about you know righteous saints and they have no basis to them they just create that wow feeling and then what happens you go back to normal but when you learn about the haq when allah tells us in the quran that for example in this surah only we learned waqada rabbuka alla ta'budu illa iyyahu we are told to keep away from certain actions to perform certain actions and when you analyze them when you look at them you recognize yes this has to be the haq this has to be the truth this is how iman comes by recognizing the truth You don't recognize the truth by seeing a miracle. You recognize the truth by looking at the truth, by observing the life of the messenger, by observing the message that he brought. Let's listen to the recitation of these ayat. وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الرُّوحِ قُلِ الرُّوحُ مِنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّي وَمَا أُوْتِيْتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا ഫലഹുക്കബീര ഹൽക്കു ഇല്ല ബഷറ വസൂല